The following program is sponsored by Evangelical Life Ministries. Welcome to Liberty Action Alert with Greg Seltz. Sponsored by our friends at the Lutheran Center for Religious Liberty here in Washington, D.C. A program that cuts through the chaos and confusion in the culture today by talking to kingdom citizenship, bold biblical principles for a robust public Christian life. And now your host, Dr. Greg Seltz. Good day, good day, Washington, D.C., and friends of the program all across the country. I'm Greg Seltz. Welcome to Liberty Action Alert. Today we're back for the second part of the Walter Meyer sermon from 1941, a sermon titled, God is Our Defense. And, you know, like I said in in the two parts, and we're going to be in part two today, the first one is that God is our uh, national defense, and and now today we're going to talk about how he's our personal defense. And again, the, the reason why we were doing this is to demonstrate the enduring power, the enduring wisdom, and the enduring relevance of the Word of God to the issues that really matter um, in our world then and also matter in our world today. And back also is the special voice of that introduction for this special Liberty Action Alert, my partner on the podcast Through the Fire, a PhD in clinical psychology, founder of Condescent Counseling, Coaching, and Consulting, my wife of 37 years, Dr. Marie Yvette Seltz. Welcome back, honey. Well, hello, hello. It's great to be here. I mean, it's really, seriously, it's truly good to be on the program again this week. Well, listen, I, I loved your introduction. Um, you know, you talked through the particular issues that, that Dr. Meyer raised when he talked about the problems that our country was facing. And remember, this was on the brink of World War II. I guess, first of all, wasn't it amazing how, how similar the problems were then uh, to how they are today? Well, Greg, before we get into the specifics of that, I want to say, you know, when I was doing the research on what was happening in 1941, I mean, this is during the brink of, you know, World War II. And whenever I learned, got to learn more about the Reverend Dr. You know, Meyer and more about what, what was going on during that time, I mean, it was just mind-blowing to think about this man and the pressure he must have had as a, you know, Christian leader to speak so pointedly and so, and to challengingly and and just so directly to the concerns of the culture of that day uh, and he you know he provided not just national but he didn't just talk about national but also you know personal defenses and concerns yeah I think you know one of the things that you just um, just how you were talking about it there it made me think of something because a lot of times people talk about well we need to preach about this we need to preach about that but they're always talking about something that happened many years ago or something that might happen in the future and good preaching talks about the issues at the moment it talks about the heart issues that people you know that are happening at the moment. Why? To turn that heart back to God. So again, when you listen to this Sermon of Meyer, I mean, it's very particular on so many issues. And again, like we're going to learn today, it was all for the purpose of finally calling people to repentance and calling people to faith. But again, it was also to call people to good government and to, to, to being a good citizen. So what were some of the specifics, if you can recall, of, of in your, your in, in looking back on part one, what were some of those specifics where he actually called things out uh, morally, ethically, and, and societally? 
Well, in part one, you know, Meyer recognized that at that time there was a huge concern regarding the education of the of the of our youth in 1941. And today we have so many similar concerns uh, regarding the sexualization of our children in education and the disempowerment of parents and the and the having a say in the curriculum or even even knowing what's being presented and taught to their children. Meyer also addressed um, and recognized the concerns in 1941 regarding broken families and immorality. And today we have those very similar concerns regarding infidelity, immorality, impurity, and divorce that are chipping away at our moral foundations. And then again, Meyer recognized that unfaithful churches and lack of faith as being a very grave social concern in 1941. And today, we see so many churches going woke and aligning and following politically correct trends that do not at all align with the Holy Scriptures. And then lastly, Meyer recognized a lack of trust in the government, and this is during the brink of World War II. That sounds so familiar to the sentiments today, don't you think? Yeah, I mean, not only were they, uh, they were hard-hitting, and they were specific, and I think that's what I loved about the message, again, because uh, he, he's talking to the hearts and minds of every individual in our country. And I think that's one of the things that, that bothers me a little bit today, because people often say to me that we shouldn't get political. And look, I understand that sentiment. You know, if you think that the that politics is going to be the big solution to these problems, you're right. Let's not get political because uh, you know the Lutheran Center for Religious Liberty says very clearly: good politics will not save us. Um, bad politics can destroy us. So we're really just seeking for good politics to preserve things, but it's not going to solve the big issues. So again. But if you're saying that we shouldn't speak to the moral and issues of the day, which are cultural, they're moral, they're ethical, that's actually a precursor to the good news of the gospel. So the issues are moral, the issues are spiritual, and if we're good pastors and good Christian leaders, I mean, we should be um, speaking the truth of God to the actual issues of the day, which call all of us to repentance and faith. And so... You know, when I look back on part one, uh, which was last week, and then part two, this sermon really demonstrated how to do that well, didn't it? It sure did. This week's uh, part two of Dr. Walter Meyer's 1941 sermon points us directly to the gospel, God's ultimate solution, and to all the issues and concerns affecting and afflicting us today. I mean, he gives us really sound advice and assurance, doesn't he? Yeah, he gets, I think he gets personal. You know, last week he talked about the cultural social issues that needed to be faced and how if you defied the moral teachings of the scripture, I mean, it was bad for culture. I mean, it was just bad for society. And so even if your heart wasn't in it, do the right thing because it would be better for the culture in which we live. This week, like you said, he gets real personal. He says, because the ultimate solution is a heart thing. It's your heart, my heart. We come to grips with our own sin, and we come and, and we are called to personal repentance before God. So I love how this sermon applied the law of God to the struggles of the day, and it demanded good government, and it also demanded good citizenship, too. 
But in the end, and I think that's, again, good law gospel preaching, in the end its main message is that the main problem that we face is in each of our hearts. It's each of our need to be to seek the mercy of God for our sins, to fall in repentance before his throne of grace, and obviously to look to Jesus, our Savior, for our ultimate defense. So that's today's part two message, and we felt that we needed to preach both parts. We couldn't do it in one program because back in those days, they preached a lot longer. And it was, you know, in fact, it's hard to listen to some of the older sermons because they're so content rich. And, you know, I think the the old sermon went about 30, 35 minutes on radio. And people just listened harder back in those days. But what a message it was, both for our culture last week and also now for the good news of the gospel for all to hear. So that's today's message. That's part two. But before we get your introduction, any other thoughts before introducing part two? No, I think we need to just get right into it. I mean, I think it's the best. This, I mean, the whole thing is entirely special, and I just feel so honored to be a part of this, uh, to present this again. Let's get into it. And now, presenting part two of the 1941 sermon by Dr. Walter Meyer. The Speaker Emeritus of the Lutheran Hour, presently serving as a director of the Lutheran Center for Religious Liberty in Washington, D.C., my husband, the Reverend Dr. Gregory Seltz. Please bow your heads and pray with me. Holy Spirit, our comforter and sustainer, many powerful enemies have been mobilized against the nation and the church. From both without and within our lives, we feel the attack of dark, hateful forces which oppose the free and full grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Forgive us, we beseech thee, for the Savior's sake, our many disloyalties, our repeated sins against him, in whom alone there is heavenly hope. If in our own strength we seek to resist the foes of faith— We're lost, for with might of ours cannot be done. But be thou, O blessed Spirit, together with the Father and the Son, our shield and our protection against the onslaughts of hell, the assaults of our own conscience, and the enticements of a sinful world. Show us that our victory is granted by our trust in the power of the cross, Defend our blessed homeland against all adversaries, against the menace of unbelief, against the rejection of divine grace and the destructive godlessness of our days. Hear us and help us then. For Jesus' sake, amen. Last week was Defense Sunday, and so we preached part one of this message that God is our best national defense. But this week, part two, we focus on what is ultimately true, that God is every believer's defense, a call to repentance, a call to faith, a call to trust in God for all things. So today, again, is a Defense Sunday message, but not the kind which certain congregations might feature. Like we said last week, true churches of Christ do not need reminders of the, for their members' duty to defend our country and its liberties. It's a vital part of the Christian creed that we who accept the Lord Jesus, we follow his injunction to render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, 
to obey Christ's word, let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, to accept the Bible's instruction to be subject to principalities and powers, and to submit ourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake. For we know that God is our best national defense. But today, we focus on the ultimate message of the Scripture, that God is every believer's defense for the things that matter now and forever. So, my remarks, they will differ from the opinions that some of you heard even in your churches this morning, because this broadcast is dedicated to the truth that only in Jesus Christ, as the Son of God and Savior of mankind, can our age and the millions in our country find sure defense. Men who do not know the Redeemer, men who propagate a creed opposed to Christ, or who at best omit all mention of the Lord from the sermons they preach on Sunday, understand neither the greatest weakness of our nation nor the divine help to be found in Jesus and in his word during these darkened days. So when I speak to you on defense, I want to stress the side that many politicians forget in this crisis, America's need of a spiritual bulwark, the safeguarding of our souls. To that end, I give you this divine assurance for this present emergency. God is our defense. God is our best national defense. And today, God is every believer's defense. You know, many of you, however, desperately need defense for your own personal selves. You're besieged by relentless fears and worries. Your conscience haunts you as the memories of flaming sins now after 30, 40, or more years flare up to mock you with their ghastly horror. You want to get rid of your transgressions to silence the accusing voice to enjoy rest for your soul. No human being, though, will give you that pardon and peace. But Jesus, blessed Jesus, can. When he, God's Son, and Mary's your Savior and substitute, went to the cross of shame, he took with him my sins, your sins, the whole world's sins, suffered their appalling punishment, endured their frightful curse, paid their death penalty. By believing this gospel grace, we can find pardon, escape hell's terrors, defeat the grave, and triumph over despair. Through this faith, we have the immovable, unmistakable confidence that salvation is ours completely, ours eternally, that a special place has been prepared for us in the many mansions in heaven, that in the heavens opened by the Redeemer's atonement, ours will be the glory. Oh, marvelous privilege of seeing Him face to face with endless rapture and adoration. What matchless love in Jesus! Think of all the vile criminals throughout history who have been sentenced to death, and ask yourself how often you have heard anyone volunteer to take their places at the gallows, the guillotine, the electric chair. But Jesus, merciful Jesus, did even more. He died for the worst of sinners to save them from the horror of eternal death. Picture the millions in misery all over the earth, either paying the consequences of their own sins or groaning under imposed cruelty. 
Can you find anyone who has said, let me suffer for them, die in their stead so that they can live in freedom and happiness? But Jesus, beloved Jesus, did this and more. He went the hard Calvary road to restore his father's love to a world lost in its own wickedness. Now, forget the rest of humanity for a moment and just concentrate on yourself. Review your own transgressions, your hate-filled, lust-laden thoughts, your cruel, cutting words, your shameful acts, sometimes hidden from human gaze. But be sure of this, known in all their sordid details to the holy God. And as his word and your conscience remind you that you cannot stand before him with unforgiven transgressions, I ask you, do you know any man, saint or angel, who can transfer your guilt to himself? But Jesus, precious Jesus, did. The Bible says his own self bore our sins in his body on the tree. His cross is your defense against sin. His blood, your defense against hell. His death, your defense against the decay of the grave. When Christ is enthroned in your heart, you can face an accusing conscience with the triumph that Jesus is my defense. Who is he that condemns? It is Christ that has died, yea, rather, that has risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. With the Savior controlling your life, you can reject the coaxing of Satan's temptations. When doubts assail you, you can push them aside to declare, Jesus is my defense. I know in whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him unto that day. If Christ is your Lord, you can face divine justice And though your sins are many, grievous and disheartening, you can tell the judge of eternity, O Father, Jesus is my defense. He was wounded for my transgressions. He was bruised for my iniquities. My fellow redeemed, if you want a sure protection against evil, Acclaim Christ your own Savior. Accept him now. A day, even an hour's hesitation, may prove too long, too late. If the Ark Royale had been an hour or two earlier, it could have been towed safely into the shelter of Gibraltar, only 25 miles away. That delay sent the mighty craft to the bottom of the Mediterranean. Some of you have been limping through life, battered and shattered by the enemies of your soul. But now, at this moment, that refuge in your Redeemer, the Lord Jesus, is close at hand. Will it be life with Christ or death without him for you? Give the Spirit his way into your heart and declare, From this moment on, despite my past sins, my backsliding, my thanklessness, Jesus is mine, God helping me forever. As our Lord is the divine defense against sin, so he is unfailing protection against life's sorrows, dangers, and fears. Take courage, you who are crushed in spirit, who feel yourselves ground under the heel of continued cruelty. His Savior love is extended especially to the world-weary, the heavily afflicted, the burden-bearers. Look steadfastly unto Jesus, for he not only knows your suffering, 
since he endured far more than we will ever be asked to bear. But he also promises to help you carry your cross. Through the night of black sorrow in the depth of depressing gloom, hold your head high because you raise it to him and repeat the psalmist's confidence, he is my defense, I shall not be moved. Keep your eyes focused on Calvary and remember you are so precious in God's sight that Jesus lived, died, and rose again to free you from the shackles of sorrow. God, the Almighty Creator, can help in every need. He wants to help you since He loves you in Christ. He will help you even in desperate moments when every human prop gives way. What then are the surrounding afflictions which you would escape? Are you laid low by sickness? The Savior can be your rampart against its ravages. He can start where medical science stops. Even more, he can use bodily illness to create a healthy soul. Last week, a Christian young woman told me, I was sick for years, unable to work, confined in my home, but that suffering helped bring me fully to Christ. And if I had to go through all those years of agony again to receive Jesus as I know him, I would gladly endure everything once more to have the Savior in my heart. Are you attacked by money problems? Want? Poverty? The Lord is your defense here too. He who has the riches of all the universe at his disposal can make you prosperous overnight if this is for your good. And if Jesus keeps you poor, he can perform an even greater wonder. He can change this burden to a mighty advantage, transform your earthly poverty to a treasure of spiritual riches. Is your happiness assailed by the tragedy of a loveless family, a broken home, loneliness, or desertion? Once again, find sustaining comfort in Jesus. He's able to restore shattered happiness and make it even more radiant. Your own letters testify how divorces were averted and peace restored in your households after Jesus was made the head of your home. If in his inscrutable wisdom the Lord sees fit to have you suffer under repeated instances of unfaithfulness and continued strife, Believe that divine compensation will give you unsurpassable soul peace in the close companionship with your Savior. Whatever the gloom encircling your life may be, let Christ dispel it. Let me say that again. Whatever the gloom encircling your life may be, let Christ dispel it. However enemies may be mobilized against your soul, opposition, persecution, ridicule, cruelty, broken hopes, shattered ambitions, Jesus can repulse every one of them and make life's defeats faith's glorious victories. The Savior will not forsake you as long as you cling to him. That is your confidence for these clouded years as you go into an unpromising future overcast with the specters of war and the signs of deeper suffering for all mankind. If in these darkened moments you rely on yourselves, you're lost. But if you trust God in Christ, if you, the unfaithful who have turned from your Heavenly Father, now return to His grace with penitent hearts, with faith which takes His Son at His word, then, though the noise of battle roar and hatreds rage... 
Through the wail and woe of suffering, let this be your battle cry. He is my defense. And in closing, let me just say this. Let this be your triumphant hymn of praise. A mighty fortress is our God, a trusty shield and weapon. He helps us free from every need that hath us now o'ertaken. So here again, and put your trust in the words of the psalmist in Psalm 62. He is my defense. I shall not be moved. Trust in him at all times, you people. May God grant every one of you that eternal victory through Jesus Christ, the captain of our salvation. Amen. Thanks for tuning in today. To get to know our LCRLDC work better, check out our website at lcrlfreedom.org. Till next time, God bless you always. I'm Greg Seltz. Have a great week. You've been listening to Liberty Action Alert with Greg Seltz, Executive Director of the Lutheran Center for Religious Liberty in Washington, D.C. This program has been brought to you by the Lutheran Center for Religious Liberty. 